Does most people feel welcome at church? Well, you know, some of them are sinners. You know, I'm a sinner. You know, I don't feel very welcome. When I walk into other people's churches, like my aunt's church, and just wasn't welcome there because I didn't, I guess I didn't fit the mold. The cliques, yeah. they, they looked at me as an outsider, didn't welcome me. Church is a bunch of hypocrites, man. You're going to sit there and everybody's going to be like, oh, well, you came, but then once they get home, whatever. did you see what Johnny was wearing? They're the most judgmental people in the world. Yeah, it's rampant. I don't know that it's rampant in other, you know, other religions. Yeah, there's judgment everywhere. If it's a if it's a new person coming into a church, I think it it is very easy to feel out of place just because a lot of people have been there for many years or they've been raised in the church and so they already know everyone and so I think it can be a lot like a new kid at school. Um, the church that I went to is majority white and so I feel like people of different races coming in it might feel a little awkward. It's two churches mixed, but most of them it's always black church or the white church. They're looking at me like, why does he have on slacks? Why is he not dressed up? Or if I come in and my hair's like this like it's not straight like how theirs is or it's not it's not neat and trimmed like how theirs is I feel like they're, they're paying attention to all that stuff because I see the side eyes I just believe religion is a is dividing everybody I really believe that well hello people's church it's good to see you in God's house and welcome our northwest Oklahoma City location Midwest City our Indianapolis location and those joining us online welcome to people's church today we are in week four of a series called race together race together and today I want to talk to you about the church we've got this week and then I'm wrapping up the series next Sunday with a powerful message to close out the series and today the church. A couple of weeks ago, our video team went on the streets of the Oklahoma City metro area and interviewed different people and asked them about the church, religion, division. And you heard some very interesting responses from people right here in the Oklahoma City metro area. There are a lot of people that believe the church is an institution that fosters hate that fosters division. And the reality is that the church, as you study church history, and even in the 21st century today, there are the church and religion has been used as a tool to foster hate and racism and prejudice and division. In some cases, you see it with the color of people's skin. People walk into a church environment across America, and that someone says something to them, they're the minority race, and maybe somebody looks at them a certain way or says something to them, and they don't feel welcome in that church environment. Sometimes churches are critical or cause dissension or division because of someone's hairstyle. You have to have this particular hairstyle to worship with us, you know, this kind of style or in a bun or perhaps a hair color, you know, have a neutral hair color. Don't you get some wild color hair because you're not going to be able to worship with us. Sometimes churches are critical and cause division over dress. You have to have a suit on. You have to wear a tie. You don't have slacks on. You're wearing jeans in the house of God. I dare you wear flip-flops. Oh, my gosh. What is wrong? You don't have a dress on? And, and division can be caused by the way someone dresses, or sometimes it's what's on someone's skin. 
Somebody has tattoos, and, and so that divides, or somebody has piercings on their body, or I've, I've, I've traveled all across America and preached in a lot of churches. I've seen churches split, argue, fuss, and fight over the color of the carpet. I've seen it. I've seen them argue over the placement of the piano. We're a holy church. Our piano sits here. It don't move anywhere else. The anointing flows when the piano's there. I mean, I've seen that. Churches argue and fight and divide over the placement of the piano. Churches argue over worship styles. Well, we only do contemporary music. Well, we only do hymns where we like blended. And they will argue, fuss, and fight. And, and please hear me. There's, there's nothing wrong with us having our preferences. We all have different preferences. The issue arises when our preferences are used to stir up a hate and dissension and division. And if you are with us new today for this series, we have discovered over the last several weeks that the early church had to overcome issues of racism and prejudice and hate and religion to be a prevailing church that would honor the Lord Jesus Christ. And what I want us to do today is I want us to look at a passage of Scripture uh, from the early church where they were literally in a debate a heated argument over cultural issues between Jews and Gentiles. And Jews and Gentiles were very different from one another. And, and they began this heated debate about cultural issues. And I want us to pick up about this story in Acts chapter 15 and verse 1. Let me give you a homework assignment. This week, would you read Acts chapter 15? Study Acts chapter 15. It's really interesting as you study how cultural Issues can be divisive. Acts 15, verse 1, it says, Certain people, these were Jewish believers, came down from Judea to Antioch and were teaching the believers. And so Jewish believers were teaching the believers, and these were Jew Gentile believers. They were teaching the believers, and here's what they were teaching them. Unless you are circumcised according to the customs, custom taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. It's pretty, pretty harsh there. You want to be saved, you have to be circumcised. It says, this brought Paul and Barnabas into sharp dispute and debate with them. They began to debate about this topic. So Paul and Barnabas were appointed, along with some of the other believers, to go up to Jerusalem to see the apostles and elders about this question, so, so Paul and Barnabas go to the church of Jerusalem and talk to the leadership in the church and begin to debate with them about this whole issue of salvation. And the, 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 the Jewish leaders were teaching, you have to be circumcised to be saved. And Paul and Barnabas go and they are debating with them. We pick up reading in verse 5 in Acts 15. It says, then some of the believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees, these were, these were Jews, Jewish leaders, stood up and said, the Gentiles must be circumcised and required to keep the law of Moses. Let, let me explain to you what is transpiring in this portion of Scripture. After Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins, rose on the third day, he ascended into heaven. And all of the original Christians were Jewish. So the, the church was, was primarily just a Jewish church when Jesus ascended. And the Jewish people had a lot of customs and rules that they followed. And obviously, the Gentiles did not understand and know all of the Jewish laws and the Jewish customs that the Jewish people followed. And, and so the Jewish people began to tell the Gentile people, if you want to really be saved, you have to become a Jew. 
Basically, you have to become like us. You Gentiles have to become like us and start talking like us and, and looking like us and acting like us. Or, in other words, you can't be saved if you don't start acting like us. And they said this, first and foremost, all of you Gentiles have to be circumcised. And, and now, if you don't know what that is, let me just explain it to you like this. It's a very painful process for men. Let me just leave it at that. It's a very painful process for men. And can you imagine this? I mean, this is literally in the Bible. You want to be saved? Get circumcised. And can I tell you that the first New Believers class in the early church was all women? I mean, you know that. It was all women. I mean, just women everywhere. Men don't want to show up to that. Can you imagine what the Gentile believers are thinking? I mean, they're coming to faith in Christ. They're believing in Christ, and they're hearing this by, by, by the Jewish leaders. And you know what they're thinking? I don't know if I really want you, Jesus. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. This is, this is difficult. This is, this is hard. And the Jewish believers were putting their culture above Christ. What happens all the time? People put their culture above Christ. And friends, the early church, they were being religious instead of Christ-like. Religious instead of Christ-like. Religion always divides believers. Christ unifies believers. Religion divides believers. Christ unites. He unifies believers. And what I want us to do is look at the following verses, and I want us to see the conversation the early church has about these cultural issues and how the church should respond, how the church should react when people are putting culture above Christ. Number one is this. We must focus on the heart. We must focus on the heart. I want you to see what Peter begins to explain to the Jerusalem leaders there, the, the, the Jewish leaders in Acts 15 and verse 7. It says, after much discussion, Peter got up and addressed them. Brothers, you know that some time ago God made a choice among you that the Gentiles might hear from my lips the message of the gospel and believe. Verse 8, very critical. God who knows the heart. God, who knows the heart, showed that he accepted them. He accepted them. Accepted. That's a key word for our teaching today. Accepted. Come on, at all of our locations, everybody say the word accepted. I want you to catch that. God knows the heart. And he showed that he accepted these Gentiles. He accepted them by giving the Holy Spirit to them just as he did to us. God knows the heart and God accepts people based on the condition of their heart, not the color of their skin. God blesses people based upon the purity of their heart. That's why Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5 and verse number 8, blessed are the pure in heart. For they will see God. It's about the condition of a person's heart. And yet, friends, God looks at people based upon their heart. But as human beings, we have the tendency, we have the propensity to look at everything else besides someone's heart. And here's what the scripture says in 1 Samuel 16, verse 7. The context is this. Israel is getting ready to get a new king God had rejected King Saul, getting ready to raise up a new king, sends the prophet Samuel to Jesse's house to pick one of the sons to be king. And so here's what God says to Samuel. 
He says, but the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height. You're trying to base this on the outward appearance. Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. People love to look at the outward appearance, someone's color of their skin or their clothes, what they're wearing, their their hair, or if they have tattoos or piercings or their eye color. And then we try to decide if we're going to accept or reject people based upon their appearance. But God does not look at the exterior. God looks at the interior. God does not look at the outward. God looks at the inward. God looks at the heart. And I submit to you today, the closer you and I as the church get to Jesus Christ, the more we become like God and quit judging people based on their outward appearance and start looking at people's heart. You see, the more carnal we are, the more worldly we are, the further we are away from God, we size people up, we judge them, we pass judgment, we're prejudiced against people based on their outward appearance. But the closer that we get to the Lord and the more we come like Jesus Christ, the more we begin to look at people's heart and not their outward appearance because the Lord does not look at the outward appearance. The Lord looks at the heart and the church should be all about people's heart. Not their outward appearance. Come on, just look at your neighbor. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm checking out your heart today. I'm not really caring about how you look right now. I'm looking at your heart. I'm checking out your heart. Come on, I'm checking out your heart. It's about the heart. How should the church respond? There's cultural issues, racial issues. How should the church respond? First of all, we must focus on the heart. Number two is this. We need to celebrate our differences. Celebrate our differences. Notice what he goes on to say in Acts 15 verse 9. It says, he did not discriminate. He did not discriminate between us and them, between Jew and Gentile. God did not discriminate between us and them, for he purified their hearts by faith. Friends, there is an us and them, and that's okay. Well, what I'm communicating to you today is that people are different. We have our differences, and that's okay. Some of you are white or yellow or tan or brown, and I'm, I'm a black man. Some of you are a woman, and I'm a man. Some of you would describe yourself as I'm tall, and they're short. Some of you would say, I'm balding, and they have a head full of hair. There's us and them. Some would say, I have gray hair, and somebody else would say, I do too, but I just color mine. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm not mad at you. Praise the Lord. So, so, so there's us and them. Some would say, my hair is my own. Some would say, I borrow mine. Amen. Go ahead with your bad self. It's us and, and them. Some would say, I like rap music. And some would say, I like rock. Some would say, I like R&B. Some would say, I like country. And I personally like all of it. Yes, there's us and them. Some would say, I have tattoos. And I don't. I have piercings. I don't. There is an us and them. And that's okay. However, we should not discriminate because of our differences. As Christ followers, we should embrace and celebrate our differences rather than letting them to bring division amongst us. We have to celebrate our differences. And, 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 and here's what the scripture goes on to teach. Here's, here's what Peter goes on to say in Acts 15 verse 10. He says, now then, why do you try to test God? Wow. 
Why do you try to test God by putting on the necks of Gentiles a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors have been able to bear? See, that's what religion does. Religion always puts a yoke and a weight on other people that the person who puts it on them can't even bear themselves. That's what religion does. You see, when we discriminate because of our differences, we're putting a weight on people. We're putting a yoke on people. We're weighing people down. We're beating them up. Religion always weighs people down. But the church, instead of weighing people down, friends, we should embrace our differences. We should celebrate our differences. Yes, we talk different. We look different. We have different styles and different cultures and different likes and different dislikes, and that's okay. Obviously, God is a God of diversity. He made all of this. He made you. Look at your neighbor and say, yeah, you, you look goofy. Come on, but I accept you. Amen. Come on. God made you. God likes, obviously, he likes diversity. Come on, we shouldn't hate or discriminate, but rather celebrate. Celebrate. I love what Paul teaches the church at Rome. It's, it's, it's such a powerful scripture. It really ministered to me, and I actually it convicted me this week as I was studying. Because I can be prejudiced. I can prejudge people. And here's, here's what the scripture says in Romans 14 and verse 1. It says, accept other believers. I could literally do an entire series with that. Those first three words. It's such, such a problem in the church. Except other believers who are weak in faith. We're all at different points in our journey, our faith journey. Some of you have not crossed the line of faith yet and accepted Christ. Some of you are a new believer and you're weak in faith. Some of you are a, a child in your faith. You're two or three years old and just, just trying to grasp and, and follow the claims and the followings and the teachings of Jesus. Some of you are a teenager in your faith. Some of you are mature in your faith. We're all at different places. And it says, listen, accept other believers who are weak in faith. And don't argue. Stop arguing. Well, I say, let me tell you what I think. Let me tell you what I think. I think. Let me tell you what a church should be like. Let me tell you what I think we should do. Let me tell you how the keyboard should be. Let me tell you what I think. Let me tell you. Because I'm right. I know I'm right. I'm right. And you're wrong. And I'm right. He says, stop it. And don't argue with them about what they think is right or wrong. And then he says, let me give you an example. He says, for instance, one person believes it's all right to eat anything. I am one of those people. Amen. <laughs> yes. Chitlins, hog moths, pig feet, squirrel, rabbit, possum. Hallelujah. Thank you. Hurry up for Thanksgiving, Lord. Bring Thanksgiving quickly. It goes on to say, but another believer with a sensitive conscience conscious will, will, will eat only vegetables. And if that's you, you say, man, I only eat, you know, my, my walk with Christ, I can only eat vegetables. Well, God bless you. I'm not mad at you. You don't know what you're missing out on, but eat your vegetables. He said, but he says, no, 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 it's verse 3. No, it's verse 3. Verse 3 says, those who feel free to eat anything must not look down. You're not spiritual. You're not more mature because you look down on other people. You're actually immature. You must not look down on those who don't. And those who don't eat certain foods must not condemn those who do. You're not more spiritual because you say, well, you listen, we don't do that around here. We just, I'm, let me tell you what I do. No, you're not more spiritual because you con con condemn people who don't do what you do. Because he says, here's what he says, for God has accepted them. 
They're a Christian. They're a believer. God has accepted them. God accepts people who are different, who have different likes and interests, and so should we. Christians are different from each other, and we should accept each other by the design of God. We're different. He goes on to say in verse 5, he gives another example. In the same way, some of you think one day is more holy than another. And from time to time, I'll meet someone, and they'll come talk to me, and and they want to challenge me, and uh, sometimes I, I kind of laugh on the inside because they're pretending like they're a Greek scholar or something. And let me tell you, Pastor, we should only have church on Saturdays and not Sundays. I'm not mad at you. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Worship away at your house. Just praise them. Hallelujah. Saturday. I'm, that's great. But don't condemn everybody else. He says, so, some think one day is more holy than another. He says, while others think every day is alike. Hey, every day is just, this is the day the Lord has made. So every day is a good day. It's God's day. We're going to praise the Lord. And I, that, that's how I view it. He says, listen, you should each be fully convinced that whichever day you choose is acceptable. In other words, whatever day you choose, as long as you're honoring God, it's great. It's acceptable. Just don't choose, make your choice a situation where you use it to divide. Don't use your personal choice to create a hatred and to spread, spread, spread division. That's called religion. Religion divides. And that is what is exactly going on with the church at Rome. At the church at Rome, and Paul is addressing it, they're saying, listen, I'm better than you because I don't eat that kind of food. Well, no, 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 I'm better than you. I'm more holy because I can eat everything. I don't know what's wrong with you. You're just not very spiritual. Well, I'm, I'm more holy than you because I, I worship only on this day. We, we, I seek God and pray. Well, I'm more holy than you because I worship every day. Every day is just not no one day special to me. God made them all. And so I'm more holy than you. Well, I'm more holy than you because we sing out the hymn book. I'm more holy than you because all we do is contemporary. I'm more holy than you because we wear suits and shirt and, 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 and ties. I'm more holy than you because my church will let me wear shorts and flip-flops with no socks. Praise the Lord. Hey. <laughs> Paul says, no. Paul teaches, don't discriminate, don't hate, but rather celebrate our differences. My wife and I in December will be married for 18 years. And Amen. Praise God. It's been a, been a great 18 years, and, and yet let me be honest with you. My wife and I are very different from each other, very different. How many men know what I'm talking about? Women, you know what I'm talking about. Come on, you marry somebody who's opposite than you. You know what I'm saying? You know how it is? You're like, opposites attract. You're like, oh, God, you're just so different than me, and you just, ooh, I want to submit. You complete me. You complete me. And opposites attract until they get married. Then opposites attack. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, what is wrong with you? Would you change? That's not how I do it. I do it like this. You know, and we're different. I'm a man. She's a woman. I'm black. She's white. She got likes. I got likes. She got dislikes. I got things I dislike. We're just doing different. It's good. But we had to learn. Can I, can I tell you? Let me tell you something. Let me give you some free marriage counseling. Stop trying to change your spouse. Stop trying to change her. The only person that I know who can change your heart is God. You're fighting a battle you're going to lose. Just stop it. And I used to want to try to change Tiffany. She wanted to try to change me because we're just different. I'm, I'm, I'm all meticulous and I'm a planner. I want to plan out everything. You know, I'm like, let me plan it out. I got to plan it out. Schedule a month out and two months and a year out. My wife, she says, go with the flow. Hey, what you doing this week? I will see. Hallelujah. Just, hey. <laughs> like, no, baby, we got to have a plan. Plan. 
which is, we're different all the way down to how we watch TV. After the last service of the day, I'm going to go home, and I'm going to watch football all day long. My wife, uh-uh. I'll run it out the living room because I'm watching football all day. She'll go turn on HDTV. Who wants to watch HDTV? And then she'll be recording cooking shows. Record, why are you recording? Why do you want to watch a cooking show over again? I mean, we're just different. And you know what I've learned? Our marriage went to a whole nother level when we just learned to accept and to celebrate our differences. We're better together. Let's just celebrate our differences. We're stronger together. And we've just learned to embrace and to love each other in spite of our differences to celebrate it. And it's the same thing with the body of Christ. Quit trying to change people. Quit trying to push your preferences on everybody else. Quit trying to say, it only has to be done this way. I'm right and I'm holy. Stop that and begin to celebrate our differences. Yes, there's an us and them. And that's okay because we serve a big God who's a God of diversity and learn to celebrate diversity and quit hating. Amen. Just turn your neighbor and say, he is preaching better than you're clapping. Amen. You ought to clap. Amen. Clap better than that. He's preaching good. Number three is this. The church. What should the church's response be? There are cultural differences. There are racial tensions. What should the church's response be? Number three is this. Our primary identity must be found in Christ. I want you to see this. Our primary identity must be found in Christ. So I want you to see what Paul says to the Jewish leaders that are putting a yoke and a weight on the Gentiles. Here's his response, Acts 15, verse 11. He says, no, and I love it with an explanation mark. No, stop putting that weight and yoke on the Gentiles. Let me tell you why you should not do that. He says, we believe it is through the grace of our Lord Jesus that we are saved just as they are. In other words, he busts their bubble. And he says, listen, you're not saved because of circumcision. He says, the only way that you're saved is through faith in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It's through his grace, not circumcision, not your color, not your creed, not your culture, just Jesus. And I love this. I love this. I love this. When he says this, Verse 12, yeah, sometimes you just got to laugh. You know, the Bible, I think it's kind of humorous. Verse 12, it says this, the whole assembly became silent. It's just like, you're not saved because you got circumcised. It's only through the grace of our Lord and Savior. And the Bible says they were just, whoop, quiet. As they listened to Barnabas and Paul telling about the signs and wonders God had done among the Gentiles through them. When they finished, James spoke up, brothers, this is the brother of Jesus. Brothers, he said, listen to me. Simon has described to us how God first intervened to choose a people for his name from the Gentiles. Listen, what Peter is teaching is this. Peter says the main thing is Jesus. People don't need to change their culture or their color to be in the family of God. People don't need to be like us, look like us, talk like us to be a part of the family of God. All people need is grace through Jesus Christ. It's to put their faith in the Lord Jesus. That's how we become a part of the family of God. Listen, as a Christian, hey, we can't make our culture our primary identity. Please hear me today. Your culture, your, your race, your family genealogy is important, and you ought to be proud of it. But listen, our culture, our race should never supersede kingdom culture. You see, as a Christian, our primary identity is found in Christ and Christ alone. Here's what Paul says to the church at Galatia. In Galatians chapter 3 and verse 26, he says this. So in Christ, if you're in Christ, I'm not talking about the world. 
In Christ Jesus, you are all children of God. I'm trying to teach a kingdom culture, kingdom theology. Not this whole crazy theology you just come up with. But kingdom theology says this. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith in Christ. Not culture, not your color, not your creed, but through faith in Christ. He says in verse 27, for all of you who were baptized in Christ Jesus have clothed yourselves with Christ. Here's kingdom theology. There is neither Jew nor Gentile in Christ. There's neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Jesus, in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. The Bible says in Christ There is neither Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free, male nor female, brown nor yellow, black nor white, red nor tan, rich nor poor, young nor old, Republican nor Democrat, contemporary nor traditional. We are all God's children. We are all Abraham's seed. Listen, if you trace your genealogy back far enough, you're going to be surprised that we all come from the same person named Adam. Just go back far enough in your genealogy. We all come from a man named Adam. And the Bible says God made him from the dirt. Dirt is brown. All of y'all come from brown people. Amen. That's all up. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> I'm just messing with you. But I couldn't wait to get to that part. Amen. I've been, I've been waiting the whole sermon to say that. <laughs> I'm just messing with you. Amen. But, but understand something. There is no superior race. There's just a human race, and we all need a Savior, and his name is Jesus. You're not a black Christian. You're a Christian that happens to be black. You're not a white Christian. You're a Christian that happens to be white. You're not a Hispanic Christian. You're a Christian that happens to be Hispanic. Hispanic. You're not a Latino Christian. You're a Christian that happens to be Latino. You're not an Indian Christian. You're a Christian that happens to be an Indian. You're not a Chinese Christian. You're a Christian that happens to be Chinese. Our primary identity is found in Christ and Christ alone, kingdom theology. And one of the most powerful verses in the Bible, in my opinion, one of the most impacting verses is this. And here's what James goes on to say about this cultural difference in Acts 15, 19. He said, it is my judgment. It is my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. Stop making it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. Religion makes it difficult. And at People's Church, let's never make it difficult for people who are turning to God. All division, racism, prejudice, hate, and religion does is hinder people from turning to God. You saw it in the video today. That's people's view of the church. We hate and we spread division. We don't like each other. We can't get along. And listen, we don't want to be religious. We want to be Christ-like. I'm going to say that again. Let's not be religious. Let's be Christ-like. That's how you build God's kingdom. What matters more than anything else is kingdom culture, is Jesus culture. The church must focus on the heart. The church must learn to celebrate our differences. The church must make our primary identity 
in Christ and in Christ alone that you and I would be a part of the solution of breaking down barriers and building bridges for the glory of God. Let's race together.